Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. All right, RJ, I've got a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. You ready? ready for this? Yes. And I apologize in advance if this makes you sad or hurts you in any way, okay? <laughs> okay. But if the Kraken do something and you're not there to witness it, did, did it happen? I was having such a good day, Dylan. <laughs> of course, you 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 knew that, of course. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, um, you, you're gonna throw the philosophical questions at me to start the podcast, as you always do. Yeah. I, you know, I've had this kind of working theory, you know, just growing up and in, in being a hockey fan and everything. That the further I am away from events, the better they go. <laughs> And uh, this this seems to add some evidence to that one. Um, mm-hmm. Things tend to go wrong when I'm when I'm there, when I'm closely paying attention, all that sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess you know I wasn't there to see it in person. Did it did it even happen? I don't know for sure. I can't confirm. Uh, I no, just I, yeah, it's one of those things, right? Like there's like that whole you know um, philosophy and and thought of from lots of top psychologists about how you know all of our brains are our own separate little realities because the only thing that is true to us is what we can experience and conceive ourselves or our own little universes walking around and so you know there's there's probably something there but we won't fall down that rabbit hole <laughs> i was just bummed for you that you missed the home opener you, you miss him getting the first goal like you you've been there for everything else <laughs> through all the bad <laughs> you were there and then this happened, and I was just like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for him. Yeah, He's but... just at home dying on a stream. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that was that was a fun stream to do. Looking back at it, uh, <laughs> I had a, had a few moments struggling there with some uh, coughing, but it was all right. And, you know, on the flip side, I am happy for you that that, that game could make it into your own little personal universe, that you yeah. were there to experience it. Um Certainly, you know, for, for everything you've done, you know, from a distance to where, you know, yes, you, uh, you know, haven't been like at all the things, all the practices, all the games and everything. But, um, you know, you've, you've done a ton behind the scenes and from a distance without getting to enjoy a lot of the, the fun stuff that comes with going to everything every day. Um, I'm, I'm definitely glad you got to experience that. So, um, yeah, glad, glad you were in the building and that you can tell me about it. You can tell everyone about it uh you know that awesome experience yeah so i mean we should probably just go ahead and get into it because let's be real this is what everyone wants to hear about this this episode's going to be maddie beniers basically the entire time there's there's nothing there's a couple other things we could talk about but this is the main topic of this week um i mean just it's incredible to me, RJ. Like I, we obviously we knew the Kraken were struggling. They were they were not great in the standings, all that stuff. But it had not quite sunken into me just how like okay the players were. Like like how having a difference making guy around can not only you know do, do they shine, but also elevate the players around them. And how having somebody who has that ability like they can just stand out. You know what I mean? And and it's it's an unfortunate thing and I hate kind of like saying it. But like Matty Beniers just comes in and it's clear that he is just a better hockey player than than just about everybody else on this team. Yeah, the skill gap is apparent. Um you know, you see that kind of high-end talent that the Kraken just didn't really have before and how it can uplift, how it can elevate everyone. Uh, just the energy that hasn't been there, honestly, for the last, you know, 15, 20, 30, how far, how far back do we want to look really? <laughs> hasn't been there for a long time. Um, you know, it's just all of a sudden there again, because you see everyone believes and, and it's the players, the fans, it's, it's everyone in the building. Uh, you know, that you can see the kind of skill that Maddie Beniers has and, and what it does for everyone. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think I said the word otherworldly hustle the other night, uh, last night in one of my <laughs> tweets, because it's true though. Like he brings a level of hustle and, and determination and grit 
and all that stuff on top of just being a really skilled guy, somebody who can shoot the puck and, and score from many different places on the ice and, you know, distribute it well. You know, his first assist is on a no-look cross-ice pass where he sucks in a defender and tape-to-tapes it right to Donato. You know what I mean? Like, these are things that we have not seen from the Kraken. And there's a lot of stuff to get into there that I really want to because I was noticing a lot of um, the same talking points about him from the other members of the media, whether it be their <laughs> their questions to Hackstall or Maddie himself last night, or just the things that they were tweeting and stuff. And and I do want to get into that in a second. But before we do, just talk more about his game. Um, in a lot of ways, he's the he's the perfect guy for all of these old school hockey guys that just want, you know, oh, you just go out there and you give it one hundred and ten percent, and you just you drive the net and you do all the all those like dirty things and all the the hustle plays and all that stuff that they've been saying that this new generation of player, the Trevor Zegrises of the world lack. Uh, and so I find it very interesting that he's, you know, he does all that stuff and he does remind me of kind of like an old school hockey player. You know what I mean? Like a, a Phil Esposito or something <laughs> where he's just going to go out there and like, just do all this stuff and, and just kind of handle it all himself. But at the same time, He's, you know, oh, it's overtime. I'm gassed. I'm going to just juggle this puck while I gain body position on someone and then drive the net and draw a penalty. Like, it's he's like this perfect old school, new school combination. And I love to see it. I know exactly what you mean. And, you know, we've seen with a lot of these younger players coming in, you know, younger forwards too, they can be really flashy. You know, you talk about Trevor Zegras, um, you know, do a lot of that stuff. But, you know, maybe their 200 foot game isn't, you know, where it, it can be. And, uh, you know, other aspects of the game, they're, they're not as necessarily committed defensively. And so you get kind of the old school hockey people that look, oh, yeah, they could do some flashy moves, or whatever. You can't say that about Beniers. Um, he's, he's got no real, real knock on his game there. And in fact, it looks like he kind of prioritizes the defensive side, you know, the, the offensive moves, the flashiness, that's just a bonus. I mean, it's just hardwired into him to think defense defense first and you can tell that by the way he positions himself whenever he's on the ice as low as he'll go in the defensive zone always making sure to be an outlet there for his defenseman how high he stays in the offensive zone making sure he's the first one back that hustle back um it's just this blend that i i mean when when's the last time we've seen this out of a player this young crosby i mean he's the one i keep going back to because because it's just is right like Mm -hmm. he was just that that kind of freak or whatever and obviously he doesn't veneers doesn't have crosby level skill and all that kind of stuff like like uh, you know as we're saying veneers is kind of next level to everybody on the crack and trust us there is a next level beyond that yes. too <laughs> where you start really getting into like the you know superstars um but yeah I, it's been a while since we've had somebody like him that's been so disciplined. Um, I am curious though, because there were many moments last night where I felt like he could have really gone into the offensive zone more and maybe tried to make some more stuff happen. And I thought he was maybe playing a little too cautious, worrying about defense. (laughs) Like at some point, no, you do have two defensemen back there and it is their job to deal with that. Like you don't have to, it's great when you help out and you're there for it, but like know that as a forward, your job is kind of to create offense. You know, do you think do you think he's he's playing that way? Is that just me? No, I, I definitely see what you're talking about, and I mean, <laughs> it's tough because you feel like, okay, do you really want to coach that out of him? Uh, no, because I uh, you know, most coaches would kill to have a young player with those kind of instincts. You know, to be even more cautious than you need to be defensively. Uh, it's just such a rare thing to see so I almost don't want to complain about it I, I mean it really depends what his ultimate role is going to be on the team um, and, and what they eventually need and it's hard to tell that right now because this is kind of this you know skeleton crew of what of what's going to be going forward you know you've got just a few of the bones here but you're going to have to build around a lot of it to get to what the team is going to be ultimately once they're really competitive. And then you'll see kind of what do you need there? You know, maybe you do have, uh, you know, an elite scoring winger or something that, that kind of provides a lot of that offense that is more aggressive in his positioning and allows Maddie to keep playing that way defensively. But maybe you don't, and maybe you need him to take a few more chances. Um, but for the time being, I think it's fine. Just let him play the way he does. But he is leaving some offense on the table. Mm-hmm. 
he he really is it's it's kind of interesting and to be clear everybody because i'm we're going to talk about stuff i'm going to talk about his line mates and stuff i, I won't speak <laughs> for you but i'm going to say a lot of stuff and it's going to be just know that it's coming from a place of we've entered a new ch chapter of Kraken hockey Matty Beniers is here. We've seen what he can do now against NHL competition. We know kind of what the expectations and bars are for him. And and now it's it's about all the things I'm going to bring up. They might sound like a, they're negatives, and I don't want to like dampen the buzz everybody's got from the huge win last night and Beniers' first goal and all the stuff that he's been doing. Just know that I'm kind of I'm trying to look ahead at like how do we maximize what this kid can do. How can we maximize his role in the team? How can we put him in the best place to succeed? And how does this affect the Kraken moving forward? Because at the end of the day, you know, there's what, seven games left and the Kraken yeah. are nowhere close to a playoff spot. So those are still the focuses. All the stuff that we had before Maddie showed up, those are still the focuses. But having him and seeing what he can do has changed a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the stuff that I want to kind of talk about is the, is the change that that makes and the fact that he is now the franchise cornerstone. And so all decisions kind of have to be made around him. And so mm -hmm. just, just know going moving ahead, everybody, that we're going to be talking about stuff. And, you know, if we're talking about his line mates, maybe not being the best for him right now, we're not just trying to do the crack in like you know, oh, everything's terrible, whatever, because that's the way it's been a lot of this year. It's it's more so just about like, okay, we love this kid. We absolutely love him and everything that he can do. Now we want to make sure he can be as successful as possible for him and, and this team. Exactly. And I think that's great that you went out and explained that too, because I, I have a little bit of an idea just for reading a couple tweets from you earlier today about where you might be going with this. But I think that's a good disclaimer too. You know, you talk about, um, you know, this season and it is what it is. You know, there's, there's seven games left. The Kraken are where they are. And, and you know, that's just kind of where it's going to be. It's not, you know, about the big picture. But when you do talk about the big picture, you have to talk about, you know, being competitive. It's it's time basically to get serious here because, you know, you're going to want Matty Beneers to be on a competitive team and be in the right spot to be competing, not just to make the playoffs, but ultimately for a Stanley Cup, because I know that's the goal ultimately of everyone in the organization. And so, you know, it, it starts now and it, it starts with building the right things around him the right way. Yeah, exactly. And there's only so many things we can say about how great he is anyway and, and how awesome last night was too. <laughs> like we could talk for an hour, but like, would that be the best podcast? I don't know. Everybody's already celebrated so much on Twitter and everything. Probably do pretty uh, well download wise. I, I don't know. <laughs> Rave about Matty Beneers for an hour? Just to, just to do that for the hour. But uh, I just can't help it. This is the, and I know you can't either. It's yep. the, it's the GM brains in us that, that want to focus on this stuff and the, and the coaching brains and everything. Um, I, I will say this to, to sing his praises and, and kind of dig into it. I, I think Hackstall, um, he, di he didn't say a lot in his media availability last night, but the one thing that he kept coming back to as people were asking about, you know, you know, you're putting this 19 year old out there in overtime situations, you're giving him the second shot in a shootout. You're, you're doing all this stuff. What has made you trust him and, and, and everything. And, you know, you could tell Hackstall is trying really hard not to, uh, give the kid a, a big head like he's, mm -hmm. he's 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 being careful about singing his praises too much but the one thing he kept coming back around to and I totally understand why he's he's saying this is fundamentals he's solid in 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 all his fundamentals and he's solid in all three zones and that's true that's just the truth of Matty Beniers that's what makes him great whether it's the fact that he's you know one of the top three most fluid skaters on the Kraken because his hips are just incredible. The way he can he can move them or you know and just shift back and forth, move his weight around on his legs back and forth like it's nothing. Do these start start stop starts and all this all the quick cuts he does, or it's the the hand eye coordination and the puck skills we've seen that you know rivals certainly anybody on the Kraken so far this year or just the hard shot he has that's up there with you know it's maybe not quite McCann level but you know up there with like a sprong already and so uh, it, it is one of those things where Matty Beniers is just the complete package all the way around 
And um, it, it's good to see, you know, Hackstall like acknowledging that right away. Yes, definitely. And, and Hackstall has had glowing things to say about uh, Benir since he first arrived. And I, I like how he's handled that. I guess the media too, again, trying not to, not necessarily not to have get too big a head. Cause again, I think, I think Maddie's a, a humble guy. He's not going to let coaches right. comments go to his head. And I, and I think Haxtell knows that, but I like, he kind of started it out, you know, with that first practice, just talking about how great his attitude was, you know, his work ethic, his poise, that sort of thing where just, he feels comfortable out here. And that's what he, um, you know, chose to compliment. And, and I think that was, you know, good and appropriate for the time. And now that he's gotten some games under his belt too, talking about the fundamentals, of course, the things that coaches like, um, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And then, you know, you kind of build around that basically. Um, but, but I do like how Hackstall has kind of, uh, treated that as far as, you know, talk to the media. Yeah, exactly. And it, and last night was the first time where I felt like he was really talking about his game mm-hmm. and not just his, <laughs> well, he's, he's a real intelligent kid or he's a real nice kid. He's a little, real level headed kid. Like last night was the first time he's like, no, his fundamentals are solid everywhere. Yep. Like, and he earns those opportunities. And, yep. and so it was cool. And that's how you know Hackstall is impressed kind of at the next level of just like, oh, you know, he looks good in practice versus, okay, yeah, no, I really trust the kid now. Yeah, every, everything's good. So um, I guess just because we're already on the media thing, one of the things that, that got to me, as I alluded to earlier, was all of the media seemed very obsessed with this, with, with kind of two things. One, his his skill and 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 all that kind of stuff for for obvious reasons and his creativity and i and i understand that kind of fascination but the second thing was his his age everybody hmm. was very very obsessed with essentially his age and and it whether that be hackstall using a 19 year old the way he did like i like i was saying before or that a 19 year old would feel confident playing the way beniers was playing in the nhl and I heard this in questions from multiple media members during the media availabilities, saw it on Twitter from them, whether it was during the game or post game. And, and I won't name names just because there were so many of them. Like right. it, was, it was almost all of them. And, and everybody was just like so focused on like, wow, a 19 year old kid to come in and, and do this and, and whatever. And I, I don't know. I just, I kept coming around to this thing that was ultimately his age to me isn't the story. It's the fact that he's the real deal that should be the story. Like mm-hmm. I, I want the focus to be on Matty Beniers as an NHL player is a really good NHL player who's going to just get better from here somehow. Like we all know he's <laughs> going to get better even though he's already, you know, one of the best players on the team. And and age is you know just one of those things. Yeah, he's young. But I also feel like we're at this point in the NHL where things have changed. And I felt like the the media viewpoint that they were all taking was very old school in the sense that, oh, for an NHL, you know, a young kid to come into the NHL and try a between the legs move or to juggle the puck or whatever. It's like, you know, this insane thing. But I'm like, but no, look around the NHL. Like we're we're seeing this from every team's young top <laughs> prospect. Like like that's just what the NHL is now and it's for two reasons. One, the most talked about reason has been these kids have all grown up in the social media age. They've seen all the sick moves. They've all then tried to do them from the time they were 10 or 12, right? And so by now it's it's muscle memory for them. The idea of bringing out a between the legs move in a game setting is nothing for them because they've practiced it for a decade now, just fooling around in their garage or whatever. Right. So there's that aspect that I don't know that the media always pays attention to, but they will bring it up at times. The other thing is the NHL has changed in the last, you know, decade to be so much more skill-based. Like it wants to reward plays like this. It wants to encourage it and it lines up better with, all of the other leagues below it, whether it's major junior or the NCAA players can just import their game from whatever development league they were in before into the NHL now in a way that they couldn't before. Cause the NHL before was obsessed with this whole, you got to be big. You got to be physical. We're going to have these six, six goons running around that are just going to grind any rookie down into dust. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like think about Sidney Crosby when he first came into the league and the infamous first Flyers game, right? Where he's just got this guy that's the size of a house just beating on him the entire game. 
regardless of whether or not it's going to draw a penalty, just because that's that's the way you slowed down kids back in the day or whatever. But those players don't exist in the NHL anymore. They just don't. It's it's a lot more like Major Junior or the NCAA. A Trevor Zegras, a Matty Beniers, uh, import whatever player you want, even a Tomas Hurdle, right? Going back that far, just, yep. just to bring it. I'm glad you brought you. him up. Yeah. They, they just play the same game that they were playing before, but now just in the NHL. So there is no, there isn't this like, oh, it's going to take two years to learn how the game is played and relearn how you have to play the game around all these other players and what the systems are and whatever. It's, it's the same. It's, yeah, it's faster. The guys are bigger and they're stronger. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're an elite player, you're going to be an elite player pretty quick because you don't have to do anything different. You can just be yourself. And I don't think that the media has really caught on to that for whatever reason, even though we've seen it now for a good five or six years. Yeah, you make a good observation there. And I noticed that, too, when watching back, you know, some of the media availabilities yesterday, I, I think there was even a comment like, you know, 19 year olds just don't do that in overtime. The NHL talking about the between the legs thing. I've just. You know, if you if you've been watching the league, I mean, you, you can see examples where, you know, they've done this for, you know, actually quite a while now, um, you know, have played like that. I, I remember and I'm glad you brought him up. Tomas Hurdle, you know, going between the legs, you know, for his fourth goal of the game, um, you know, and that was gosh, that was back in uh, 2013 that he did that. You know, that was. He was yeah. It wasn't like, oh, he's got like years of NHL experience and now he's gotten to this point or anything. No, it, it was, I, I believe, it, within his first five NHL games. Uh, yeah. And that was nine years ago. Um, you yeah. know, younger players have have been doing this kind of thing for a while now. You know, when you if you have that skill, you can make it work. Um, because, as you mentioned, you don't have to do anything differently now. There's not someone who's looking to take your head off. Um, you know, and thankfully, thankfully, that's the case. I mean, you know, thank goodness that is the case. I, you know, that's great for the sport. That's what we want to see. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you. The story isn't so much that, you know, oh, he's at 19, he's able to do this sort of thing. But look at how complete of a player he is. Not just at 19, whatever, but just at all that he's this complete of a player because you just don't see that very often from from someone regardless of their age, you know, that they can play this well, you know, in every facet of the game, you know, offensively, defensively, that's as well-rounded as he is. And that I guess the age is just a factor because, you know, at 19, he's going to get better. He's just going to get mm -hmm. even better. You know, I mean, you know, maybe if he's if he's 28, 29, it's different because you're like, OK, this is what he is. But, you know, that's what's so exciting, I guess, is that he's going to get better. Yeah, it, it just it wasn't framed that way. And no, was, it wasn't. It was, just, it was just really weird to me. I was just <laughs> like, okay, whatever. I, I, I'm like, this, that's not the story. The story is that the Kraken have, like, their second best player now. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would argue first, but I don't want to set expectations crazy high after only two games. And they have the player that, you know, barring who they approach in free agency, this guy is going to be their best player next year. Like over the course of next season, he's going to develop and turn into that. There's just kind of no way around it. He's just more solid fundamentally than everybody else. He is just better at the sport of hockey than most players on the ice when he is out there. And and it's and I'm like, that is the story. And that's the thing that we should be talking about is that he's just fantastic. Yep. And I like Maddie's answer too about the between the legs thing where he's just like, Yeah, I mean I've tried it a bunch at Michigan, like I've, I've done this and it's worked for me in the past, you know, I mean, and then he got all shy, like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't look the best when it doesn't work, but <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. All these things are just tools and right. the young kids have bigger tool chests now, like because they've, they've messed around and tried all this stuff because they were able to see it. Like there's, there's just elements of that. And, and then, you know, the the league changing around it to to be more open to it. I mean, for crying out loud, Brian Boyle had a between-the-legs goal earlier this season for the Penguins. <laughs> the old dogs can learn new tricks, eh? They they apparently can, so maybe we should still talk about 28-year-olds like they could, they could get better at all that stuff because he's like, what, 38? Yeah, something like that. Not only that, he's, what, 6'7 or something, too? Mm -hmm. so Got a lot of room between the legs there. Yeah, it was like the most awkward thing I've ever seen, but it was also the most glorious between the legs goal I've ever seen too. So, <laughs> um, I just wanted to get my my media rant out of the way there because it was just something that really bothered me. And if if 
if any of them had bothered to talk to me, I had left before that. I was going to say, you <laughs> you get the press pass for one game and you already got a media rant going on the podcast. I know, and I should go into morning skate tomorrow. Just be like, blah, blah, blah. You guys are all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all so old. <laughs> that'll, that'll make me friends, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. That That's how you win friends and influence people in the hockey yeah. world. Just call them old, call them dinosaurs. That'll, yep. that'll be great. All right. So the other aspect of Matty Beniers' game that we haven't talked about yet is his brain. Obviously, he's a smart kid. Anybody who listens to him can can see that or hear that or whatever you want to describe. Their their own personal universe will perceive it as such. That's, <laughs> that's good to say. Um, he's very intelligent, uh, pre-med in college. Obviously, that, that takes some levels of book smarts, but it's clear that he understands the street smart aspects of this job too. And that's the PR game and, and media stuff. And how he deals with and approaches any sort of fan interactions and all that kind of stuff. Like those things are all very important too. And it's clear that he has a very strong working understanding of, of how he should carry himself and how he should approach those things. And, and he, you know, comes across very genuine about it. I have no reason to think that he isn't sincere when he says and does the things he does. And I think that that's awesome. And I'm very happy to have that for the Kraken, but on the ice, He's also very, very intelligent with his hockey sense and the the things that he's going to try to do. He is creative. And again, this is one of those things with this younger generation of players, you know, that they they think a little different. They're you know, maybe it's maybe it's like college football to the NFL, RJ, where everybody just runs spread offenses now and it's all whatever. <laughs> and so you just kind of get these quarterbacks that just wheel and deal and they're just going to escape the pocket and they're just going to make a play happen or whatever. Maybe it's similar, similar type of situation where systems aren't really run the same way in major junior as they used to be. And, and as the NHL is. And so you're seeing guys that'll just roam around in the offensive zone, just try to get open, just play their own game and try to create offense. And it leads to this level of creativity amongst them that they're now importing into the NHL. Um, but it's clear that Matty Beniers is, is, is trying to do different things. He's not trying to fit a system when he's out there with the Kraken. And it was kind of obvious to me that his line mates aren't on that same page with him. <laughs> There's plenty of times he was breaking away. He was finding open spots and they were not prepared for him to be where he was. Yeah, it's, I think you're right. <laughs> you know, it's not a wrong observation. And I think uh, you get that, you know, with, with younger players too. And I, I think it makes me think of the time uh, when we talked about Marty St. Louis coming in as a coach of Montreal and talking about systems versus concepts and how yeah. systems you're kind of just, you know, locked in, you know, you got to be in this certain area, you got to be doing this exact thing. It doesn't give you a lot of creativity to think versus concepts in his mind is, you know, okay, you kind of generally want to do this, but figure it out yourself how you get there. Um, and I think you have these young players that are given a lot more creativity to do that sort of thing. Um, and Beneers certainly, you know, and, and also when you grow up with it too, you know, when you grow up with it, uh, when that's kind of been the coaching all throughout your youth and everything too, it almost comes second nature. And you can see that in the way Beneers plays versus some of these older players that, you know, maybe just even if they were given a little bit more creativity recently, um, you know, they didn't necessarily have that growing up. It's not second nature to them. It's kind of like, you know, having someone in their, you know, forties, fifties, even if they're really, you know, tech literate and everything, it, it still wasn't something they grew up with since they were a child. And so there's always kind of still that gap there. Um, but yeah, you point out Maddie Beneers line mates. Um, <laughs> there are definitely times where Beneers is thinking on a certain wavelength, and his line mates, for whatever reason, are not on that wavelength. Um, and I'll let you kind of dive into that and, and explain, you know, why and, and basically your, your your thoughts on that. Yeah, the one that really stands out is Jordan Eberle, just to get this out of the way. <laughs> it's the one that really stands out. And I, I talked about this forever ago. Like, it was probably December when I talked about Jordan Eberle being a player that fits a system and wants a system. Like that, like every time he's been successful in his career, it's been on teams that have had a coach that have a very set system that tells you where to be and when to be there. 
And that's just the way that Jordan Eberle has been. And so it's kind of odd that you then put him on the wing. And I get the idea of, okay, he's a, he's your like most veteran winger. He's a very good winger. He can score, all that stuff. You want to match him with the rookie. He can kind of help him along and, and do that stuff. But it's so obvious that Maddie is a guy that's going to go out there and generate offense just by making plays. And he's just going to take what the defense is going to give him, and he's going to create things on his own. And it just doesn't gel with the type of player that Jordan Eberle has been this year. And we've talked about that that's probably why Jordan Eberle has struggled a lot this year, is that the Kraken haven't had a set system. He's There's been many line mates that Eberle has been matched with throughout the course of this year where he's been off from them just because he's trying to do something kind of the same way every time, and, and they're maybe trying to create something differently. So... I don't I don't see this as a long-term marriage. I don't see how it can work cuz it's it's not already. Um and I think it's kind of odd that they're that they're paired with each other beyond just the fact that like I said, he's he's like your, you know, highest on the chain of leadership potentially right now besides Yanni Gord, but you can't match up center and center. And and he's, you know, this this veteran goal scorer so you kind of want to match him with the with the young guy i get i get that but again maybe that's maybe just a little too old school veneers doesn't necessarily need that um based on what we're seeing um and so it's it's one of those i'd I'd love to see him play with other creative players and i think donato is a is a kind of a creative player you know we've talked about him being the only guy on the team that wants to go out and create offense for himself and and do those things drive the drive to the net and all that stuff that Beneers can work with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we're seeing a little bit more chemistry. Obviously they knew each other from before the Boston connection and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I think that those are the types of things to look out for. And I think when they're targeting someone in free agency, that's something that they have to keep in mind is that you, you need somebody, if you want them to play with this guy, who's probably going to end up being your number one center. If you're targeting a number one wing, Maybe you should make sure that they can, you know, operate together. Right. And and that's something that maybe the Kraken didn't as concretely have to think about before these last couple games with Beniers because he's still an unknown quantity at the NHL level. And you're just thinking, oh, man, we need some goal scoring. I don't care how it has to be done, but we just need a finishing winger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that's something you have to take into account a little bit more. Okay, well, what type of finishing winger? Because now you've got a pretty good idea who he's going to play with for the long term, uh, you know, if you're going to go with someone who's on, on your top line. Um, I do agree with you on the, on the fit about Everly. Um, and I don't necessarily have a problem with it from the start when you have Beneers is still, you know, an unknown quantity in the NHL, like before he played any games I'm talking about. You haven't yeah. seen him in NHL action. And Everly seems to me like the equivalent of training wheels. <laughs> that yeah. you're going to give him, you know, as you go out there and you've got this bike and you don't know for sure what kind of bike you have. You know, it could be, you know, the Schwinn that you grew up, you know, grew up riding or it could be, you know, this like racing motorcycle and you don't know for sure what it is. So you're going to put the training wheels on it just to be sure. But when it turns out you got this really high performance bike, the training wheels don't look like the best fit there. Um, so I, I do agree with you. Um, Donato, I mean, we've seen the chemistry there a little bit. Like you look at, you know, Benier's first point that pass across to Donato. Donato kind of holds back a little bit, finds the soft spot all the way across the ice. I mean, that's a play where, and you could call it just the chemistry, you know, that they played together before where you have to know that um, Benier's or whoever the player is over there who's making the pass is going to be able to see you because that's a hard read to make. And you've got to know that he's either going to have a lot of creativity there or just kind of know you're going to be there because you know each other. Um, so that's why I'm OK with Donato, you know, for the time being. Um, but you'll you'll definitely see other players kind of build that chemistry, too. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we've we've talked about the two big free agency names all year, RJ Forsberg <laughs> and Goudreau. Um I think realistically, I think both of them could play with Beneers. I don't know that it's like a oh, we have to kind of like lay off one and, and maybe focus on the other. Mm-hmm. That being said, could you imagine the creativity of Beneers with the creativity of Goudreau? I know. Goudreau, definitely, you know, between the two on paper, uh, that that fit is incredible. Um, 
And, and as much as I was not impressed by, I think I've watched three full games of Johnny Gaudreau over the last week and haven't been all that impressed. Um, but still, I, you know, the creativity is undeniable. And, you know, putting him together with the Matty Beneers, just the plays that they would come up with and create, uh, we'd have a whole highlight reel package. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes those don't work out uh, the way that you think they would. Like maybe they're just creative in the different ways or whatever. But I do feel like Goudreau this year, and maybe that's why he hasn't uh, signed an extension with Calgary. He's He's been in a situation where his line mates aren't necessarily super creative. Now, it's obviously one of the most effective lines in hockey. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way around that. But, um, you know, in a setter off style offense and system uh there's not as much room for for stuff like that and you know brady kachuk's a young player he's got levels of creativity like i said almost all the young players do and Lindholm, kind of the same thing but again they're also very much system players that can take advantage of of working within a system and and uh i feel like gaudreau is sometimes an odd man out when watching them like you know what i mean like right. they're moving in unit sometimes and he's maybe left behind one or two times because he's trying to do something and they're just no we're doing this instead and it's like okay (laughs) yeah i think actually that does a good job of describing what i've seen over these i think three games that i've watched this week it seems like they've got their own you know kachuk and little have their own thing going and gaudreau's trying to have his own thing going and yeah it doesn't always work yeah um all right so i i think you know on some level he can play with anybody i think that's that's not going to be an issue, and I, I, it's going to be interesting. The other thing that I want to bring up, though, mm-hmm. put Jared McCann on his wing. I was going to ask you who you would prefer putting with him. They have instant chemistry, as we saw last night on those power plays and stuff. Like, anytime they were on the ice together, it was obvious that they can think the same way. And realistically, if you're the Kraken, you're looking at this situation. If you want McCann to see significant ice time, he can't be a center. No, no, he can't. He, I mean, you look at what else you've got at the position. It it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Beneers is going to be your number one center by the end of next year. You've got Yanni Gord kind of locked into that second center spot, which makes all the sense in the world. I don't want him moved or anything. Do you really want to force Jared McCann in as your third center, especially if you start going to more of a traditional rotation where that means his minutes are going to get cut? Yeah, no, certainly if you go more toward traditional ice time, I'd like to see it in a playoff series just because like, how do you match that down the middle, but not during the regular season. Yeah. And I also feel like McCann at times has been more effective on the wing. Yeah, certainly it allows him freedom offensively that he doesn't have when he's playing center. Uh, And you can tell he takes a lot of the defensive responsibility seriously when he's playing up the middle. Um, And so, yeah, it does kind of take the leash off him a little bit. And, you know, he's capable of doing great things when you do that. Yeah. So um, I guess for for right now, my ideal line mates for him would be McCann Donato, if you could make that work with, you know, the, the sides that they're playing on and everything out yeah right mckinney's been mostly on the left side donato's been well donato's been kind of all over the place he has that's the thing he's played left he's played right i think you could make it worse just i mean you could make it uh work thank you wow yeah. so you, you, you could make it could be a lot worse than that um but you yeah. could you could certainly make it work um yeah put donato on the right side put mccann on the left side uh that'd be pretty cool to watch and it's not like mccann's anywhere else right now that's a permanent fixture i mean they just put him on the yanni gord line um you know basically as an experiment Haxtell flat out said like this is an experiment this might sla- might last one period it might last longer we'll see how it goes so um you know he's not attached anywhere i i, I do think that would be a good way to go yeah and i only mentioned them because we all know victor rask is probably the best bet best best match for Beneers with those sick passes he had last night but uh nobody seems oh, to here want we to. go <laughs> so I, I won't i won't push this narrative for even though it would do very well for the youtube algorithm as everybody's leaving all these comments about it <laughs> yep dylan i know you're gonna stand by victor rask forever um but I mean, hey, he's rewarding you at least recently. You know, it was a good pass to Borgen. He's doing some good things. He's doing a lot, a lot of good stuff. He's been playing well. Um, all right. What I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about with Beneers? Like, I feel like we kind of touched on on the big things that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I mean, I 
I do want to talk about the idea of him kind of being a sponge too, and it's not to like throw more praise on it. I mean, we've done so much of that. I kind of also want to you know praise more his teammates with this, but. Um, you've seen a lot of his teammates kind of take him under their wing and try and impart some, you know, some wisdom, some uh, tips, things like that. And you spotted it at practice, uh, actually at the end of morning skate before last game, Yanni Gord staying on the ice with him late there to work with him on faceoffs, on some net front positioning. Um, and, and you know, Beneers talked about wanting to be a sponge, soak up all this information, you know, and learn. And it seems like he's committed to that. And it seems like his teammates are, are committed to helping him with that. Yeah, and again, these are the hallmarks of great players. Look at all the top players of this last generation. The Ovechkins, the Crosbys, the Stamkos. There's just tons and tons of stories of them being that way when they were young with the older players. And then as they aged and developed, working on things to round out their game. The the, the stories of Stamkos and Crosby, right? Okay, I'm like 23, I'm a center, face-offs, I need to be better. If I'm going to be getting these these ice times and these assignments, I need to be better on face-offs. They spend a whole off-season working on face-offs. They come out, they're like top five guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Or, or uh, you know, Crosby with his shot, or Ovechkin with the defensive parts of his game. Like, there was a point where Ovechkin was like, okay, I guess I have to kind of, you know, pay attention defensively if I want to get out of the second round of the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, there are moments where all these guys kind of hit a wall at some point and they have to adjust if they want to continue that trajectory of being one of the best in the league and of their team being a co- super competitive team. Because at the end of the night, if you're going to be out there 20 minutes plus for your team, you better be sure that you're going to make the best use of that time. You're out there for a third of the game. You you better make sure that you're going to win that third of the game. And so... It's encouraging that Beniers already has that. We already know he's got the work ethic and the hustle and everything. But but again, to, to have the smarts and the, the willingness to learn and work on that stuff, you just know a couple years from now, he's going to be like those guys where he's going to pick a part of his game and focus on it over the off season. And next thing you know, it's going to be great. I guess he already did this last year with the with his offensive part of the game, and especially his shot. Exactly. And he had a lot of good players on that Michigan team, you know, to learn from, to talk to. Um, And I think, you know, he's going to have those pieces, uh, you know, in Seattle. I mean, whether you want to pick up, you know, defensive aspects of your game from Yanni Gord, I mean, who better to learn that from the shutdown part Mm -hmm. of the game, you know, he's going to have, you know, some, there should be someone to learn face-offs from at some point, you would hope, Um, (laughs) you know, yeah, night he was good. Yeah, and uh, he might be the one teaching guys uh, pretty soon. Uh, you know, Jared McCann with his shot. I mean, Beneers already has a pretty good shot, but, you know, why not see what Jared McCann does where his release is so good? See if you can incorporate something like that. You know, or whoever they sign, you know, you bring in a Johnny Gaudreau, uh, you know, imagine the kind of things that you could bounce off each other there. But it's just this recipe to keep getting better, and that's what the greatest players do. Um, so encouraging to see that very early on. Uh, and, and from his teammates being willing to do that too because it, it takes both sides it really does you need to have teammates that are that are willing to help you out yeah and uh oh man if he can learn some of the stuff from McCann about his shot mm-hmm. I've, I've only been to one crack in practice all year because I've been to a couple morning skates but I only went to one back in November when I was up here and I just remember everybody left and McCann was still out there working on his shot and he had all sorts of drills for it too like it is something that Jared McCann really works on and and so, yeah, if Beneers decides to hang out with him for a little while and, and do those same drills and stuff like, oh, man, that could be look that's out. Gonna be so scary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah. I just can't say enough good stuff about Beneers. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. So I know there was something else, though, from the Kraken that you wanted to bring up. Yes. That we've seen these last couple of games. Yeah. And it's an adjustment that I've really liked. And it started with the second Calgary game, the one in Calgary on the road. Uh, so that would be two games ago. Um, and that is active D. The Kraken defense uh, has all of a sudden, I mean, I know they've been active, you know, to an extent all season, but they took it to another level in that Calgary game. I mean, no hesitation, jumping up into the play. If you, 
saw any kind of opportunity, just go for it. You had defensemen, you know, down around the faceoff dots by the goal line regularly. It seemed like every shift, at least once in the offensive zone, you saw that happening, uh, you know, from Vince Dunn and Adam Larson, probably most of all. I mean, he looked like a rover in that game, just going everywhere. And he was rewarded with a goal, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Carson Soucy, a big part of that. But it was, I thought, a really clever coaching adjustment from Dave Haxtall against a Flames team where, you know, they're, they're going to outstructure you. They're, you know, they're going to work really hard. They are more skilled than you are. You know, they're division leaders. You have to do something different to throw them off balance. And for 40 minutes, it really did. And I think, you know, in the third period, the problem was they, they stopped doing that too. They didn't do it consistently enough. Um, and, you know, they kind of sat back a little bit, tried to protect their lead and, you know, then the lead goes away. Um, but I really like that adjustment. I think you saw it a little bit, uh, also in the devil's game again, not as consistently as maybe with Calgary, but you definitely saw the defensemen more willing to activate and you saw it on a pair of goals too. um, you know, from Will Borgen and from Carson Soucy. And now all of a sudden you've got, uh, the defensemen just scoring goals in bunches. Exactly. And and you bring up such an excellent point, and it has been a fantastic adjustment. And really the thing about it in the Devils game was it went away too. Like like they just, for whatever reason, later in games, they get nervous about it maybe. Um, or, yeah, they're just trying to protect the lead. But, you know, again, maybe this is one of those new age NHL things. It's it's not like the old days where you can protect a lead by, you know, clutching and grabbing guys and just, you know, leveling everybody as they come into the zone. You have to stay aggressive if you want to make sure you win a hockey game in the NHL these days. The only way to win is to outscore your opponent. And so you got to you got to kind of keep your foot on the gas. And that would be my my, uh, you know, one thing to say about it as, as far as that's concerned. But yes. We are seeing that the Kraken have defensemen that can shoot the puck. They can pick corners. They can come down and just you know bury it when they want to. And we're finally seeing them given the freedom to do that beyond just you know the nights where Adam Larson decides, hey, I'm just taking over this period <laughs> for a second and I'm going to make sure I score a goal, or um, you know what I mean. But we're seeing it now. Carson Soucy wasn't that his tenth of the year? It was tenth goals. Yeah. That's tied for, I think, fifth on the team. Right. And and you, you have that. And he's been, you know, second, third pairing kind of guy for you this year. And so to have like this this range of guys, Borgen getting it done, seeing how great his shot was. Granted, it was a sick dish from Victor Rass. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, seeing how, how good his shot was and how he was able to do that. Uh, this is your weapon. This is your offense. Like like the offense that you've been struggling to create all year, this is what it is. Whether you like it or not, um, it is what it is. And and uh, I'm happy that the Kraken have figured it out. Given that you know a lot of these guys are going to be back next year, um, they're going to be you know kind of running it back. So I, I want to see this be a consistent thing. But it, most importantly, I want it to be something that they keep through an entire game. Exactly. Just keep your foot on the gas. If you have the lead, you go for it. If obviously, if you're losing, you go for it because what do you have to lose at that point? But if you have a lead, just know that in today's NHL, you you can't protect a lead the way you used to. Mm-hmm. You can't flood the ice during the second intermission with the zamboni to slow it down. You can't clutch and grab. You can't just maul guys anymore. You can't cross check them from behind in front of your crease endlessly the way you used to like all that stuff's been taking a taken away so i really think that your best defense is a is a good offense at this point exactly well said and, and what have you got to lose at this point in the season i mean you, you get a, you get too aggressive you get burned and oh you know you've blown a lead guess what that's happened to you before guess what it's not going to cost you a playoff spot uh you know just stick with it see what you can do um yeah and, and i agree i'd like to see it you know Going forward, it's something that teams haven't really had an answer for yet. I mean, we'll see if other teams now kind of see that on the pre-scout and and make adjustments. But, you know, so far, so good. It's worked. Uh, And they've got the personnel to do it. I mean, you look at the Kraken. The forwards are not going to force the issue offensively by themselves. Mm -hmm. Given the forwards you have, they're just not capable of doing that. You have to be involved as a five-man unit, which I know we hear that a lot, you know, from the coaching over the course of the season. But, like, it really is true. You have to be involved with all five players, all five skaters, because 
you know, the, the three forwards just aren't going to be able to do it by themselves. So um, I like that adjustment and, and credit to Haxtell when it's due. Um, you know, I, he could have just done nothing and not really tweaked that at all. Um, but but credit to the coaching staff there. Exactly. And two two more things on this one. We'll get to a fun thing in a sec that I, that I want to do. But before that, just to just to stay on the Haxtell point. The morning skate I was at yesterday before that Devils game, they did have a drill that was basically four on O's, two forwards and two defensemen going in on, on a goaltender, and they were just doing that. And a lot of it was built around passing it back to the defensemen to kind of pick the corner. Like the wingers would go, or the forwards would go to the sides and dish it back to the to the defensemen that were coming deep into the zone. And at first I was like what the heck is this drill for other than just picking <laughs> apart your goaltenders and giving them like no confidence because you're just four on O's. Of course they're going to score a bunch, but I think that that was their way of, of just kind of getting that in and, and building the muscle memory for the defensemen to, to go to those spots and for the forwards to, Hey, it's okay to dip low and give yourself a horrible shooting angle because really you're going to kick it out to these guys who are then going to be in the slot essentially. Cause that's really where they're starting to be almost. Yeah. They're coming they're almost... in really deep. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, I think the next level of that is go ahead and throw maybe a defender or two out there. Like let's, <laughs> let, let's get them to work around somebody maybe, but, um, but it, it is something that the coaching staff is, is working on in that sense. Oh man, that I'm not surprised at all to hear that. Um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, good that they're working on it, but that has been one of my complaints all season is so many blank on O drills, uh, you know, just yeah. throw, throw a defender in there, throw some opposition. Cause guess what? There's going to be that during the game. Um, yeah. you know, early in the season, I understood it more, but, uh, yeah, but good, good observation there from, uh, from morning skate. Yeah, no, and don't worry, everybody. They're still working on plenty of breakout drills. Uh, no zone entry drills, even though that's the thing that's still killing them. How about that for Maddie? Just to come back around to Beniers. He just, he enters the zone and he just sucks in defenders and then he just makes a miss or he'll do something. The one time they tried to get savvy on him, he just pulls that move where he hits the line and he turns around to protect the puck. Like, he is the answer to all of their we can't enter the zone problems. Completely. And he's so good at drawing defenders to himself and just instantly spotting the open guy once he does. Um, and that's that's a skill. That really is drawing people to yourself, you know, making them kind of respect what you can do. Um, just great to see it because no one else kind of commands that on the Kraken, mm-hmm. really. No, and, and to have that be so obvious in your second NHL game is crazy, too. That oh, a team yeah. is going to you that much respect that tells you really everything it tells you more than anything you and i could say about it at 19 um, dylan at only 19 only no 19. one respects anyone at 19 no, never <laughs> um yeah so the last thing i want to talk about uh i want to bring this up impromptu rj okay now we've seen so many of these defensemen activate we have to rank who's got the best shot oh okay Okay. Like who's your who's your favorite? The one that when they activate and they come down, and and the feed is is ready from you know Victor Rask, and you're just like, oh, something <laughs> special's gonna happen here. You know what I mean? Oh, that's good. Like, like who who tops that list for you? Obviously, I have to legally say Adam Larson <laughs> for myself, mm-hmm. but like, you know, Carson Soucy is is not uh, you know, he's he's not far behind. Yeah, Susie was actually going to be the name I, I was going to bring up there. Um, Susie's definitely the one that that I think. Oh, I get excited. Um, Larson too, though. I mean, Adam Larson has has been great this season. Um, let's see. I I don't really get excited about Alexiak in that situation. More when I see him like almost go and try to forecheck. He's the odd man out in the sense that this isn't his style at all. No, it's really not. Um, not the fit for him at all. Um. You know, Will Borgen, and I know there's some recency bias there, but he's got a heck of a slap shot. As you saw in that game, he can just laser it. Um, you know, it doesn't happen a whole lot. It doesn't happen very often. But if he can step into a shot like that, if you get that perfect Victor Rask pass for him, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he can just absolutely wire it. And, and we see that consistently, like in practice and whatnot. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, because I, I noticed it during the morning skate, like, he and I remember this from November too. He's so accurate with it, mm-hmm. and it's such a weird shot. If you watch the puck, like the puck basically stands up and then just flies through the air like face first, 
Like it makes no sense, but like that's just how the puck flies off his stick. It's kind of crazy. Go back and look at some of his goals, everybody. Like they they just hit the back of the net. Just the full face of the puck hits the back of the net. It's really strange. It's funny to it's funny to see. You get some weird sort of drag on it. I don't know, but he can pick corners like nobody else. Like him and Susie are are the two that I feel like have by far and away the best accuracy with their you know one timer, which is what you need well, in that situation. Right. Larson is maybe the heaviest in game. Mm-hmm. Like we all know how the, the hardest shot contest went for him <laughs> and everything in the, previously. But like, as far as game speed, it looks the hardest. Certainly the one that makes the loudest sound if it misses the net, which he does quite a bit. He, he doesn't have the accuracy of the other two. I will say that, but his is, is certainly exciting. The one that's, that's crazy. RJ is we've literally mentioned four names you know, mentioning Alexiak, no Vince Dunn. I know, but it just, that's not the situation. I mean, he kind of needs to be, you know, like moving across the blue line. It's got to be a wrist shot, not a one-timer. You know, he's got to kind of pick his corner from there. And, and like, he's good at putting it through traffic there, but not when he's got that clean shot. Um, I don't know. It's just not his situation. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of interesting. And then Hayden Fleury, we've seen him be successful with things. Um, I think now that he's back, it might take a couple games. Um, it, it looked like he, you know, he was still kind of getting back into the swing of things last night. That being said, he, he was okay. Um, I, I just don't know that he'll be fully fully down for this this year, just given the limited amount of time left. Right. And uh, speaking of a Fleury here. Um... There's one player, one defenseman who like it's not that situation where he's stepping into a slap shot, but maybe it's a like the four on O where it's dropped back to him. But call it a four on one or four on two or whatever. But on the rush where you know he gets that pass, and I'm thinking more a wrist shot than a slap shot. But like Kale Flurry's actually been pretty good at at picking corners I've seen in practice, and especially through mm-hmm. some traffic. Um, you know, since he's come back up, usually every practice he's got one or two where, you know, you hear a ping and they're like, oh man, and you see who it was and it was Kale Flurry. So interested if you see that from him in a game at any point. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times he's been really focused this go around on the defensive aspects of his game. Which makes sense. And, yeah, and I feel like he's kind of got that same thing as as Beneers where he's, he's playing a little cautious mm-hmm. when he, he's out there. And again, it's not the worst thing in the world to play responsibly. It really isn't. But um, when it comes to something like this, you know, it, it means we're not going to see his his full uh, ability on display. Yeah. So hopefully he kind of, you know, again, grows into that confidence and, and we see a little bit more. But just so you know, he's got it in him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How could he not? It makes sense, right? Because that's the way like brothers and siblings always are. It's like one's always good at something that the other one isn't. Hayden Fleury's got the slap shot. Kale's got the wrister. Exactly. That's brothers. That's how it works. <laughs> it's how genetics work. It just is. <laughs> we all know it. Uh, just it's it's been a it's been a fun, interesting week of uh, of crack and hockey, RJ. <laughs> it sure has. Um, certainly been an interesting week for the two of us. Uh, yeah, covering crack and hockey in in the ways that we have. Yep it's uh it's you know it's, it's the way it is but uh i think i think everything's been working out okay oh yeah for sure i, I mean you know you came up here and, and everyone's been in good hands with your coverage um so it's been great thanks appreciate that you've been you've been killing it in your own way too um yeah, you're killing COVID. That's the most important. Thing. I say that's the that's the only way I've killed this COVID. Yeah, um, but working my way back, feeling better every day. Yeah, no, and it's you you you're getting to see it's it it can be fun, but it's it's a lot of work to do those post games. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I so much respect, and and I I love that you tweeted out before the game started. Just well, yeah, RJ's running post game, so you know who knows how it'll go. And then of course <laughs> we've got stuff hitting the fan and all. That. Trying to jinx anything, and, I, and I'm not saying anything because it, it is a really rewarding position to be in. Like, obviously, doing all the media availability stuff, I don't get to do any of the in person stuff, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate right now. But running the post games is so much fun just because it is that peak level of community interaction. And I know how much that's meant to both of us. And so I am happy that you kind of get you know, your time with everybody just to yourself. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, no, and I, I definitely do enjoy that aspect of it. It's nice to kind of 
be able to interact with everyone right after the game. Like, whoa, okay, here we go. Let's talk about it right now. Um, and, and, you know, even everyone, even though I will say, as I was like, you know, uh, struggling for, for oxygen at the 40 minute mark, I'm like, all right, we can have Dylan now. Dylan, come on, come on. <laughs> I know, Veneers would not go to the podium. <laughs> I don't blame him. He hey, he's, he's a busy kid. He's got lots of stuff to do. He had to go see his genetic clone of a brother. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we haven't even talked about that. All those jokes about cloning Jared McCann back at the beginning of the year were striatic all along. Apparently, it's just existed in the Veneers family. Yeah, the work's already been done. I mean, just go get him some hockey equipment. Exactly. Oh, good, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for this episode of The Deep Dive. Appreciate everybody taking the time to listen to it and uh just all the all the get well messages both of us have received as we've been going (laughs) through our respective difficulties and um everybody's understanding as you know things have been been a little bit different this past week just with with the sicknesses and and the travel that i've had to do and everything Uh, appreciate all the patience everybody's had for us and um it's just been awesome to be up here and experience the kraken but also experience meeting some of you guys and i hope to do more of that as this week goes on should be a lot of fun and um with that we're going to go ahead and finish this episode thanks everybody for joining us and we'll see you next time